Today on episode 55 of Birdland BS, we're talking about practice is the name of this one. Fred went to his went to Ravens training camp this week. Talk about that. Orioles trade scenarios that have happened or may happen. Baltimore's hosting a championship. All this and more on this episode of Birdland BS. thought we'd start the show off like that birdland bs check it out what's up bsers this is fred and scott here episode 55 july 24 2018 and fred we're talking about practice not a game not a game we're talking about practice we're talking about practice that's right we're gonna be talking practice fred got the chance to go down to raven's training camp uh this past week uh had a great time down there met up with a uh a youtuber uh that we know in graven uh we're gonna talk about him a little bit yeah uh you're gonna talk about all your experiences everything you saw down there um gonna talk a little bit about the orioles trade scenarios had a lot happen with the orioles right after our last show with the all-star game we anticipated it like we said uh i think it didn't go as quite as I planned, but we're going to get into that later. Yeah. Um, we have a Baltimore team that's hosting a championship this week. Yes, sir. We're going to touch on it. Just not, you know, we're not going to get too in depth in on it, but we're going to touch on it. Uh, and we, the two minute warning, as always, is back. Of course. Uh, and as we go through, please, you know, comment with the live feed. Let us know if there's anything you want to talk about. If you want to get your opinion in on something that we're talking, that we are talking about, uh, be sure share this, you know, get it out there. You guys, I have to give props to our fans yeah. because we hit, and I get chills talking about it. Cause it's kind of cool. Most views we've had up until last week was right around 360, 370 on the live feed, on the live feed, uh, through face, through Facebook. Um, and last week, our episode, when we went off air, had over 330 views, and by the end of the week, we had almost 700. Yeah, pretty impressive. So we, we appreciate you guys tuning in every week. We appreciate each and every one of you that takes the time to share the post. That's how we get our names out there, and that's how we, we grow this thing. So just clicking that share button, it does a world for us, so we appreciate it. Yeah, and for you YouTubers, you know, subscribe you know, to our channel if you aren't already. Comment, you know, share it on all the social media sites, you know, cross – cross-reference and and go over to check us out on twitter go over to check us out on facebook for facebook go check out youtube go check out twitter uh you know definitely drop us a line we we love to hear from you and we love to you know go on topics that you guys like to hear about and want to hear us talk about so uh fred i gotta turn this over to you because you you had a blast i i i had a chance to go with you had some other other commitments right um but you had a blast at Ravens training camp. Tell us what you what you saw. Yeah, man, it was uh, it's quite the experience. And you know, you hear them talk on on TV all the time about the castle. This place is a legit castle. I mean, it, it's it it's a fitting title. Uh, it's mammoth. Let me ask this: Were there turrets? <laughs> no turrets. Nah. No turrets. But <laughs> my uh, wife will tell you it's not a castle. <laughs> uh, the, the the structure is just it's unbelievable. It's something you got to see. Pictures don't do it justice. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what was a crappy few days of weather 
ended up holding out perfectly for me that day. Uh, literally, as we left is when the rain finally started. So kudos to that. That was great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I got to go got to go to uh, ratings training camp, Ravens training camp on Sunday. Uh, as you had mentioned, um, a fellow YouTuber uh, and a fellow Ravens fan, Engraven. Follow him on YouTube at Engraven Vids. Uh, this guy's a huge Ravens fan. Another guy that posts content all day long about the Ravens. He'll, he's a, a man of the people. Will answer any questions that you may have. Um, really, really down to earth. Really nice guy. Got a chance to hang out with him for a little bit uh, while I was at training camp. And him and I, afterwards, we got a chance to do an interview uh, and just kind of talk a little bit about our experiences and what we saw down there. So I'll, I'll be kind of getting into that in a little bit here. Um, he came up from Florida too, didn't he? I mean, this is yeah. a diehard. He lives in Florida and came up for yeah. this. So he's he's only been to the Ravens games. He's been to one Raven game here in Baltimore, but he goes to anytime the Ravens are down in Miami and the Ravens are playing the Dolphins. So nice. this was his first experience with training camp. So it was it was cool to hang out with him. And a, what turned out to be a crappy situation for him ended up actually being a really cool thing. So he came up for the open house training training camp Saturday that was going to be at the stadium. Unfortunately, that got rained out. Uh, so his trip, he thought, was kind of scratched. He put a post that he was bummed about it on Twitter. The Ravens reached out to him, sent him some passes for Sunday, and, you know, obviously he had a great time on Sunday, and that made up for it. So Heck yeah, man. I mean, we, it's, he was on the, wasn't he, like, on his way? Like, he didn't find out until he got here, but it was, like, posted, like, on his way here or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's crazy. I mean, and that's all kudos for, to the Ravens for yeah. that. I mean, that tells you that they do pay attention to social media. They do to pay attention to, you know, the fans. Right. You know, and, and, and while he's on social media, while he's on YouTube, he is a fan first and foremost. And they treated him well. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was really cool. So I'm going to hop right into it. Look, you got to understand this. You got to preference this. It's one practice. I got to see one practice, so <laughs> I'm just giving you some information based on what I saw in one practice, so you take with that what you want from it. Um, this I guess, is why we're talking about practice. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's... At the end of the day, it's football. Right? It's, it's what it is. That's, it's, Thanks, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> what is it again? It's, at the end of the day, it's football. Right, it's football. That's, that's right, Mike. Uh, so, yeah, we... we had Michael a lot of fun. Michael Crabtree, if you haven't seen that interview, go check it out. Yeah, it's kind of cool how they have it broken down, right? So they have multiple fields there at the castle, right? They've got one that's a defensive field, one that's kind of a special teams field where they're, you know, they're doing their kicks and their punts and their returns. And then they've got an offensive field. And the way it's laid out is they've got bleachers set up for each field. So you can kind of pick and choose where you want to go and sit and you can move them out, move around freely as you want. Uh, so, of course, the biggest crowd sitting at the offensive field, kind of where we wanted to be as right. well, because that's where all the excitement was. I wanted to see how Joe looked, how Lamar looked, how the offense looked, how a lot of the wide receivers, the new guys all looked. Um, now, we'll say this. There were a lot of veterans that weren't present for practice. They gave them the day off. No Tony Jefferson, no Eric Weddle, no Brandon Williams. Um so, and it's some of the, the veteran receivers, even the new guys, so the, the top three, you've got Crabtree, John Brown, and Willie Sneed. They were there for about half the practice, and then I think they might have gone indoors to do some, you know, like weight training and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but either way, I did get a chance to kind of see everything. Uh, and I guess we'll start with what everybody wants to know, and, and that's the quarterback play. 
for me, we'll start with Flacco. Definitely the best passer, pure passer out of the four quarterbacks there. What you would expect. What you would expect. He throws the cleanest ball. He definitely leads his receivers better than any of the quarterbacks that are there, which is surprising to me. That was something that I've always kind of harped on on Flacco about is his ability to actually hit receivers in stride. On practice, he had absolutely no problem with that. But I think the biggest takeaway for me that I saw with Flacco, and surprisingly enough, was his mobility. And I don't mean that in the sense that he's going to be the next Steve Young or he's going to be the next Mike Vick or any kind of thing. But obviously the last couple of years he's been hampered with some injuries. Obviously last year having the back injury and he's had the knee injury and all that kind of stuff. So for a few years – He's been scared to roll out of that pocket. He's been scared to roll out of pocket, and he's been limited to really be able to move around. We've He's become more and more of a statue in that pocket. Uh, And I think with – the offense kind of gearing more around, you know, the mobility side of the quarterbacks, you know, with Lamar and with RG3 and everything. I think that Flacco's kind of adapted to that, which has been good because I saw a lot of a lot of plays from him where he was able to get out of the pocket and extend plays, which is huge. I mean, in years past, that's either Flacco throwing the ball away or that's Flacco taking a sack. Right. One or the other, or an emergency dump down to a running back. You know, something. That's Those are the three options. he hits if he's lucky. Right, exactly. And I was able to see him kind of get out of the pocket and move around a little bit, extend the plays, and then throw the ball downfield. So I was really, really encouraged with what I saw out of Flacco. Um, Lamar Jackson, I think with him, the I think we're getting a little bit ahead of the curve with him as far as expectations go. Um, you can see the potential in this kid. He's he's a firecracker as far as his speed goes and his ability to his agility. You know, yeah, I heard to, he can like he can turn it on and turn it off whenever he needs to. Make absolutely, him, make him break. Absolutely, and he's he can he can break one off with his feet at any given time. What I saw that you know needs some work on is his footwork. Uh, they were working on him with his his three step drop. You can see that that's something that he's not real accustomed to. It's not he's something not that comfortable he's, with. he's real comfortable with. Right, exactly. So they've been putting in some extra work with him on that. Uh, his his throws were a little bit elevated. Uh, and it's, that that comes with time. That just comes with repetition. Again, this was the first. Also getting used to a different ball, too, by the way. Yeah. And this was the first full pads practice. So, again, take this for what it is. Right. This is just what I saw that day. Um now, you know, some people, if you pay attention to social networking and whatnot, you, you'll see a lot of people say, well, every highlight I see of him and every throw that I see of him, it's it's wobbly. And, you know, it's he's not throwing a tight spiral and things. Peyton Manning threw probably one of the ugliest balls I've ever seen. His He never, very rarely threw a spiral. And that guy made it okay in the NFL, I'd say. Just just a little. I mean, yeah. he was he was subpar, subpar. <laughs> so he doesn't have a problem getting the ball to the receiver at all. Yeah, it might not look the prettiest at all. Flacco throws a damn pretty ball, but pretty balls only get you so far in the NFL. You know what I mean? You got to be able to do multiple things. But I will say, a pretty ball gets you into a tighter spot. It can. Me- meaning, you, when you have those wobbly balls, it's greater likelihood for it for it to be tipped. For it to be knocked away right. when it's a tight when it's those tight spirals like Joe can throw and can hit the guy in the in the letters 
like he does with those bullets, it's it's a different thing because you it, it's harder to tip a tight ball. Right. Much harder to tip a tight ball. Really easy to tip a wobbly ball because you got, you know, what the, a football is what? Ten and a half inches, something like that. Something like that. You know, if it's wobbly like that, you got you pretty much you you might be lucky and have the whole ten and a half inches to be able to knock that thing out. Right. If not, you've got about four and a half inches. I think is the, is the the uh, diameter mm-hmm. of a football. Not a lot of space there. Right. No, I agree. But at the end of the day, the balls got where they were supposed to. The only real problems I saw out of out of Lamar was being able to drop back and look comfortable. It looked almost forced. It looked you could tell he was working on it, that he was still developing it. Right. He's got yeah, you know, he's got a little ways to go with that. Um but did, I did I, he do any like awkward step back with or was it like was it was it a decent clean three step or was it like he he wasn't sure like shit I stepped back just, to my right. It or? just didn't look natural. That's that's the best way to describe it. It wasn't like he was fumbling over his feet or anything like that. It just didn't look comfortable for him. It looked gotcha. like something that he wasn't used to doing and and that's Again, these are things, these are easy things to work on. And this was the first full practice in pads. He'll get better with that over time. But let's not jump the gun with let's have Lamar starting day one or anything like that. I'll tell you what, national media has been all over that. That's what they're. Yeah, and the national media, it's just, it's ridiculous. That's that's what they want. They want the superstar. They want the popular guy that everybody, you know, wants to hear and wants to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about Flacco because, let's face it, Flacco is just kind of boring. But right. if you're any kind of real football analyst or just being real with what you see, Flacco is light years ahead of the rest of the quarterback, you know, room uh, on this team right now. Right. Not to say that down the road that won't change, but as of right now, Flacco's light years ahead. And, and you can tell development can do a lot for guys. So, right. And you can tell what Flacco's motivated. I mean, you know, to see him out there, uh, you know, throwing the ball like he was, uh, looking as comfortable as he was, as confident as he was, I really only saw maybe one or two bad passes from Flacco the entire practice. Uh, so it, it was very, very encouraging. RG3, uh, obviously, he's the other guy we've kind of been up and up and down with is are they going to carry three quarterbacks? Are they not? Uh, I've been kind of the advocate to think that they are going to end up carrying three quarterbacks, and this just kind of solidified it for me more. Uh, he took a lot of reps at practice, looked damn good, uh, looked really good again at getting out of the pocket and extending plays with his feet, um, and also was getting rid of the ball when he should versus early on in his career hanging on to the ball too long. Now that We'll see how that translates to games and if he can still do the same type of thing in games. You know, practice is totally different than games. Well, we, we've talked about that, too. He he was brought in. At this point, I think it's solidified. Right. And I, anybody that doesn't believe this, I don't know how to convince you. I, I would say go look at what Fred saw. You know, go look at the practices. Go to the next open practice. Because everything that, that is being said, everything's being seen is he was brought in to show Lamar, look, I'm changing my ways because look where it look where it got me. Look right. where it put me. Exactly. And Lamar is is you know an RG three esque quarterback in his in his young age, right. but he's got to he's got to learn and not make those mistakes. If he doesn't make those mistakes, he can be what RG three was expected to be. Right. No, I, I I absolutely agree with you. And I think the biggest thing that I liked about about RG three and what I saw out of RG three was he was there after practice, 
after the whistles blew, after they did their huddles and they all kind of broke out and some of the guys went into the locker room, some of them went over and signed autographs for the kids and things of that nature. He took two of the receivers. He went down to the corner of the end zone and was just throwing fade pass after fade pass after fade pass in the end zone. He had his wife out there hiking him the footballs out of a out of a gym bag. <laughs> And he's just one after the other. He's, you can Wife tell. Wife of the year right there. <laughs> you can really tell this guy's humbled and he's focused and he's determined. Whether that works out here in Baltimore or not for him, I don't know. I mean, I, I still think that they're going to carry three for now. What that means in the future for them, I don't know. But you can see that this guy is truly, truly motivated. I mean, you make a good point. If he's, show, if he's showing well and he shows well in preseason, he could become trade bait. Right. He could very easily become trade bait, and he only cost you a million dollars to get something. Exactly. Somebody's quarterback goes down. I mean, that's actually pretty smart of the Ravens, not just from a standpoint of what we've talked about, but you know, that's a different aspect that we haven't exactly hit on too long, too long, too much. Is the potential if he's doing well and looking well, and somebody needs a quarterback, here's a guy ready to go. Right. And that that just we got we hold all the chips at that point. You've got a ready to go quarterback that's you know yeah he's got to go learn a different offense. Right. But his arms ready. His yeah. feet are ready. His mind's ready. He hadn't played in a while. The guy's about as healthy as, as he's going to be, uh, you know, at this point in his career. And he's, he definitely still has some gas in the tank. That's for sure. He's still a younger I mean, guy. To, to the point of with quarterbacks, just bringing up that side of things, if, if somebody does go down and needs a quarterback, everybody, the first thing everybody's going to turn to is Colin Kaepernick. Right. Colin Kaepernick's been out of, the, out of football for how long? A. B. Do you even know if Colin Kaepernick, his, if his arm is good still? Yeah, well, Do that was know? always the question mark with him. But but I'm saying, is it so cold now? Has he been throwing on the side? We don't. No, nobody knows this. But now you've got to. You have the ability to have a chip that says, "Look, we've got a guy that's ready to go, but it's going to cost you, and it's going to cost you big." Absolutely. So that's a, that's a definitely a different aspect that we could look for. But one thing I wanted I wanted to ask you what you saw was kind of two two parts. We'll get into the. I want to get into the wide receivers first. Okay. Because Joe. Going into this season, it was said, you know, these guys are basically being gotten for Joe. If mm -hmm. Joe can't succeed with these guys, at least, or, or perform at a higher level with these guys, then Joe's done. Right. Right. What did you see out of the wide receiving core, you know, at training camp? You know, what I know that the main guys weren't there, but what did you see of the kind of the guys well, that are on the cusp? No, actually, the main guys were there for the first half of practice. They just didn't play the entire half. Right. The little bit that I got to see out of those three, Michael Crabtree's the real deal. This guy is about as fluid as fluid can be in his route running. He's got hands as soft as butter. Uh, and you can see that he knows how a very, very much like Anquan Bolden, he knows how to use his body to keep defenders away from him and to keep their arms away from the ball and, and make the contested catches. That's huge. Flacco that, didn't have that last year. That's always been a thing in Crabtree's too. He's always been a physical wide receiver. Absolutely. You know, and he's he, he doesn't. He doesn't talk with his mouth a lot. Right. You know, he's he's physical. He's a big big physical wide receiver that you know, to your point, he he's he goes out there and he he blocks guys out. Right. Yeah, so I mean, I was very very I left there very impressed with what I saw out of Crabtree first time I'd ever got to see him, you know, in in, in real Ravens. in real life. Um so it was it was really cool to see him. Willie Sneed, John Brown, didn't really see a whole lot of out of them. Uh they just kind of were running, you know, slants over the middle and 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 you know, 
just basic routes. They weren't doing anything. They were, and it was a Don't lot give of them anything too complicated that. Yeah. And it was a lot of one-on-one drills with them. They weren't doing anything where they were lined up in 11 on 11. Uh, okay. So I didn't get to see how they did against, you know, corners and safeties and playing against the true defense. How hard can they cut? And stuff right. Like that? Yeah. So it's hard for me to really give an opinion on those two. But what I was really going there to see with this wide receiver group was the young guys, you know, some of the, the, the younger talent, because right. we, we know pretty much four wide receivers guaranteed to make this roster. We know Crabtree, we know John Brown, we know Sneed, uh, Sneed and we know uh, Chris Moore. Those four guys are pretty much locks to make this roster. Outside of that, there's a, a jumble of wide receivers uh, that, you know, could potentially go one way or the other. Um, one guy that I really wanted to see because once we got into the draft and we got down to the fifth round and we hadn't picked a wide receiver yet and we got this guy out of UCLA, Jordan Lasley, I was kind of excited about him. Uh, you were high on him when I, we did our show. I was. I think this guy's got a lot of big play potential. Uh, but I was able to catch up, like I told you in an interview, with Engraven. And that was one topic that we spent a little bit of time on was was talking about Jordan Lasley and what we saw. So I'm going to play that for yeah, you. You said now. he had something interesting to say. Yeah. Speaking of rookies, one guy that um, you know I was kind of high on when the Ravens picked him, uh, and, and I thought he was a value pick later on in the draft. Uh, but somebody that I honestly left camp today with some question marks around was uh, new wide receiver Jordan Lasley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lastly, when they put him at kick return, he had the drops. When they put him at receiver, he had a couple of drops. And um, more so toward the early training camp, but um, as time went on, he was getting more comfortable and was starting to catch everything. But, yeah, that um, if I had to – if right now I had to come up with a list of the top six receivers on the team, uh, he wouldn't be one of them. Um, I agree. Just based off, based off of today alone. Right. Uh, because I feel like Crabtree, Sneed, John Brown, Chris Moore – um, and Tim White, and then uh, and Jaleel Scott. Right. I feel like those guys, based off of today alone, they are definitely um, ahead of him because today definitely wasn't it wasn't a good day for him. Not at no, all. it definitely wasn't a good day for for Lasley. Like you said, he, he muffed a few kick returns, cu- dropped a couple mm-hmm. passes. I mean, you could see the guy's got big play ability, and he, he but mm-hmm. his hands are just a big question mark. And Lord knows we've got enough of those on these teams, and we've been dealing with it for long enough that we don't need another guy who's got question marks with his hand. And that's exactly right. I mean, that was what we saw. He he had a couple of missed, you know, punt returns and a missed kick return. Um, he also had a couple of drops at wide receiver. Um, the the I have to stop you. The man himself, Engraven, is in YouTube live right now. Uh, what's says, going on, man? He says, "What's up?" Uh, and he gives a round of applause as as he came in. Yeah, we played perfect, his, time, perfect timing. Grand his clip there, and I didn't get to meet you in Graven, but what's up, man? Uh, I love love the videos, love the always the updates on the Ravens, you know, and, and what your your thoughts are on things. So definitely keep in touch and and you know have him on again at some point. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he he said it perfectly there. I, too many drops and just that's that was our number one concern. That's one of our biggest issues for the past couple of years is, is wide receiver drops. And now granted, like I said, it's just one practice. Uh, you know, he's made on the flip side of that, some other practices, he's made some really big plays. So he does have big play potential, but just what I saw in that one practice alone did not sit well with me. 
Uh, As you, you guys kind of talked about it, but we don't need another Butterfingers on this team. We don't. We don't. We're already paying one of them too much. <laughs> now, one guy on the opposite end of that that I was excited to see and did not disappoint was Tim White. This guy caught everything coming his way. Everything kick, punt, thrown to him. No problems, no bobbles, no nothing. He's got game-changing speed. You can see the shiftiness, the stop-and-go speed. This guy, he could bring a lot to this team, not just at the wide receiver position, but at the return, you know, the return game. You have him and Chris Moore as your kick and punt returners. That's that's a pretty exciting return crew in my opinion yeah no i i think personally if if tim white doesn't make this roster he's going to make an nfl roster somewhere else and we're going to sorely sorely be upset if we if we don't have him on our team that's just my opinion i I would agree we have a we have a question from jack the king uh who says would you say perryman or lasley as number seven oh all day long i'll take lasley i we know we know what we have in in brashad perryman they're talking about maybe throwing him out on special teams now just to try to kind of salvage a first-round pick. You know, the Ravens have a lot of pride in, in their draft picks, unfortunately, especially a first-round pick like that. So I don't think they want to give up on him. They just paid him the 600 some thousand dollar roster bonus. The it was like 650 day. I think. Exactly. So they don't want to give up on him. But if I had, if I had my choice in the matter, I'll take Lasley all day long. I think, just think his big play potential – is there and we have seen flashes of it. Uh, so hopefully, you know, some of this drop passes and things of that nature, just kind of some of the the yips maybe early on in camp and getting used to the new football. You know, again, like you had mentioned earlier, a college football and NFL football are a little bit different. So we know what we have in Perryman. We don't know what we have in Lasley. So I'll take Lasley all day long. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> The other rookie wide receiver uh, that I was there to see, Jaleel Scott. This guy, super tall, super lanky kid. I mean, his arms hung down to darn near his his kneecaps. A super long arms. Uh, caught everything thrown his way. Uh, you can see that he can get open. The problem problem with it is if if a corner kind of bodies him up, he has a little bit of trouble getting away from a corner. Uh, but again, that's that's just technique. And those things can be learned. He's coming from a small school where I'm sure he had no problem with getting away from some of the corners at a smaller college. You know, this is the NFL. This is the best of the best. These are the fastest guys in the world that are playing out here and some of the best corners that he's ever going to face. So it's going to it's going to be an adjustment period for him. But I really did like what I saw. Um you know, uh, Engraven and I were talking about some comparisons to some older wide receivers, Clarence Moore and Tommy Streeter, uh, similar in stature, hopefully better in production. Um, but yeah, I did like what I saw in Jaleel Scott for sure. Uh, we've got some potential breaking news, Fred. All right. What do we got? Uh, this is 11 minutes ago. We have, uh, we have two people commenting between James and Joe, uh, Zach Britton to the New York Yankees. Okay. Well, if that's if that's true. Bleacher Report has Yankees to acquire two-time All-Star Zach Britton per John Heyman. Okay. Well, John Heyman, I mean, he's a pretty reliable source. I wouldn't say that he'd go out on a limb without uh, knowing for sure. That's good. I, I'd like to see what that package is. 
Uh, we've talked about in the past with uh, Machado possibly going to the Yankees that the Yankees have a loaded farm system. So I'd be excited to see what we get uh, for Britain. So we'll pick up on that conversation a little bit in, a, in a little bit. Yeah. Let's get this. Uh, let's get this Ravens wrapped up. Um, I think one of the other big question marks for me at training camp that I really wanted to see was the offensive line and how the offensive line was going to look because I'm excited. I'm excited about the offensive line potential, getting back a Marshall, getting back a Marshall Yonda, getting back an Alex Lewis, bringing in the rookie, um, you know, Orlando Brown. This to me, if everybody stays healthy, could potentially be one of the best offensive lines that the Ravens had have had in a very, very long time. So I'm excited about it. Unfortunately, at camp, a lot of the starters weren't there. Obviously, Yonda's out. He's still on the pup pup list. They're just being cautious with him. Ronnie Stanley wasn't there for practice. Um, So I didn't get to see the the entire offensive line, you know, starters. And that worried me because, you know, some of the backups that were playing had a hard time stopping some of the defenders. Uh, So not a lot of depth. In the offensive line, that scares me a little bit. Um, Jack asks, would you put Orlando Brown as a starter? At this I would. Point? I would. Absolutely at this point. He, that was one of the things that I looked at most because, first of all, this guy is ginormous. He's huge. I mean, it, yes, offensive linemen are big, but this guy is just, if you cannot <laughs> miss him on the field. I mean, he's he's just head and heels above everybody else, just overall size. But his footwork his footwork was really, really impressive, and you can see he's got a lot of upper body, upper body strength behind him. So he's got he he was he did really well with keeping people off the edge. It was on the left side of the line where they struggled. They had Illuminora out there at left tackle, um, so you know they didn't have James Hurst out there. Like there there were a lot of question marks, and then obviously Ronnie Stanley wasn't there either. But I did like what I saw out of Orlando Brown. So yes, at this point, what I saw in one practice. I'd have him starting at right tackle uh, come week one, I think. Really that early? Yeah. Get him right in there. Absolutely. All right. All right. That's good to know. The one one encouraging thing on the offensive line that I saw was they're kind of up in the air about what they want to do with the center position. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Alex Lewis and then Matt Skura and, you know, the back and forth between them playing guard and center. And I got to see a little bit of both. I personally think Alex Lewis is a better center than Matt Skura, but I also think – Alex Lewis is a better left guard than Matt Skura. He's just a better player. player He's a better overall. offensive yeah. lineman. So it's, I think the more important position is center. You know, center is kind of, you know, the, the, the captain of the offensive line. You know, he controls everything with that offensive line. Uh, and when he was in there, I didn't see anybody jumping off sides or anything like that. So to me, in the little bit of sample size that I saw, I think I would have Alex Lewis as the center. Just personal okay. opinion, so it's a different diff, different route that I think most people would have expected. Yeah, you yeah. know, but if he's if he's playing that well and he's performing that well, and you think he can be that leader, you know, to your point, your, your center is is ultimately your leader. They've got to be on those on the guys on the right, on the guys on the left to make sure he can't be going right and the guy on his on his left is coming coming right at him. Right, exactly. Or, you know, it, it's got to be. The, or I'm sorry, the if he's going to the right and the guy on the, on his on his right can't be coming right at him. Right. Um, you know, unless you're double teaming the guy that's yeah. coming at you on, on that side. Um, but I I think you're I think you're right. I think there there definitely has to be some sure up 
of that offensive line overall. Yeah. And you've got to put the guys at the at the position that they're going to perform the best at. Yes, you may have – there may be a, a, another spot that he can perform at, mm-hmm. but you can fill that. You need to put him in his best position where he's going to benefit – where you're going to benefit from his position the most. Right. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. But that's uh, that's that was kind of my take on what I saw in a little bit of sample size from the offensive line. To get into the defense would be kind of unfair because a majority of the defense really wasn't there. It was a lot of just the younger guys and some of the bubble guys that I don't think will actually make this roster. But a couple of guys that stood out to me on the defensive side of the ball. One, first day of practice, full pads, Jimmy Smith was out there. Going full at it in 11-on-11 and look good. Please don't let him get hurt. Please. A big question mark for me, and and one that I was kind of disappointed in what I saw, second-year corner Marlon Humphrey. I don't know if it was just he had a bad day or if he was just having a rough practice. You know, I don't know what happened, but again, 11-on-11 drills going against the fourth, fifth, and sixth wide receivers, they were having a field day against him specifically Acklin, the undrafted wide receiver. I mean, he he had a couple of passes on him, one of which ended up getting a pass interference call uh, against Humphrey uh, and another one that went for a touchdown. So Humphrey had a, had a little bit of a rough day, but I'll give him a pass. You know, what he did last year, obviously, he was, he was great as a rookie. Uh, it's just a matter of getting back into football shape, I think, for him. Um, well, you know, he's, he's also, you know, to your point, if he's, if he's not out there with the guys that he would normally be out there with. I mean, right. Right. You're, you're going to be playing yourself a little bit differently. You're going to be working a little bit different, but that's also, you know, shows his potential adaptability as well, right. you know, on the defensive side of the ball. We, uh, in Graven and I did have one guy that we left there thoroughly impressed with. And I'll let you listen. Now you, like I said earlier, you kind of sat on the defensive side for a little while. I didn't get a chance to sit on that side of the field and watch anything kind of go down there. Uh, what was your impressions of the defense? Did you see anything that stood out to you on that side of the ball? Deshaun Elliott. Yeah. Deshaun Elliott, Deshaun Elliott, Deshaun Elliott. That guy, it was, I forgot exactly who the tight end was, but there was a play where Flacco threw the ball to the tight end and Deshaun Elliott whacked him. He laid him out. Um, I think that was probably one of my favorite plays of the, of the training camp today. Yeah. He just, wow. That guy, I, I've heard a lot about him. Um, I don't really watch college much, so I'm, I don't know how he was in Texas. But I've heard a lot of good things about him, and I know a lot of people were surprised that we got him in the fifth round, that he was still there in the fifth round. Um, right. So at first, when I first heard that, because I heard it from a lot of Ravens fans. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, maybe they're just because they drink it. They might be drinking purple Kool-Aid or whatever. But <laughs> seeing him today, and I know it was just one practice, but at the same time, just seeing him today and the fact that he gave all of that effort in practice, um, it, oh, man. I'm, I'm excited for him. I know he won't get too much playing time, especially as a starter, because we got Weddle and Jefferson, which I'm not complaining about. Right. But um, he's going to be great depth, man. He's yeah, and I mean, depth. he's you mentioned Weddle and you mentioned Jefferson. He's got two seasoned veterans that he can kind of right. learn behind, take mm-hmm. a year or two to kind of develop, because I saw the exact same plays. There were actually two plays that he made. Uh, both of them were kind of across the middle. He couldn't help himself right. but to, to lay the guy out. Mm-hmm. Now, Harbaugh did pull him aside and kind of talk yeah. to him a little bit. I don't know if you saw that or not. but Yeah, I heard about that. And I remember on the second one where he hit the guy on the second one, he kind of put his hands <laughs> up like, oh, I didn't mean to yeah. do it. Right, so, yeah, exactly. That was, that was funny. Man. 
Yeah, and just to kind of dig into that a little bit further, Deshaun Elliott, he reminds me a lot of a Bernard Pollard. He's going to be a thumper. This guy's going to be a big hitter. Um, the one I'd say knock on him with that is that he's a swing and miss kind of guy. Sometimes he's going to go for that home run play, you know what I mean, the big hit, um, or go for the big play, and he's going to get burned. Uh, so hopefully that's something that, you know, here with the, the proper coaching and things of that nature, he can he can develop and learn that. But I, I like the potential and what I saw. I think he was a fifth or sixth round draft pick himself. Yeah. Uh, so to get that kind of production from a fifth or sixth round guy, I, I'm excited what I saw out of Elliott. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was he tends to lead with his head, and that's going to get him in trouble real quick. It's going to get him in trouble real quick, and it's going to get him quite a few penalties. And I think that's what Harbaugh was talking to him about when he pulled him aside. Um, you know, because Wink Martindale talked after practice, he liked the effort, loved the effort. It's just technique, yeah. and technique is something that can be taught. So I'm excited what I saw out of Elliott for sure. Uh, I'd say he was probably the highlight of the defense. Um, for me, the only other thing that I, I kind of that stood out to me defensively, uh, and one thing that I was keeping an eye on was uh, Kamale Correa. Uh, this guy is on the bubble whether he's going to make the roster or not. When the Ravens drafted him, they ended up moving him from outside linebacker to inside. Uh, yep, that hasn't worked out for the last couple of years. Now with with Wink in there, he's kind of moved him back out to the outside. And you can see he's more comfortable. Oh, yeah. How much more comfortable he is, how much more natural he is as a pass rusher than he is in coverage. Right. Um, he was he was in the backfield a few different times. Um, we didn't get to see him much in coverage. So I don't know how he's going to do with that. But I think uh, Kenny Young, the guy we mentioned last week from UCLA, he's right. going to help on that. And uh, we didn't get a chance to see him. He wasn't suited up for practice. But I did like what I saw out of Kamale Correa. Yeah, no, that's definitely it's it's uh it's nice to hear that that we've we've got some some depth at these positions that we haven't had depth at, you know, on the defensive side of the ball in the past few years. Uh, we we're getting some uh, some comments just to to acknowledge them. Uh, so people really like the setup uh, that we've got going here. I uh, appreciate uh, it. Appreciate all you guys on YouTube following us and uh, and chiming in. Yeah, and Facebook. What's new for you guys this week? Uh, we throw that we threw that third thing up there uh, so you guys were able to see the setup this this week as well. Um. You know, we had we had, did have two questions about Lamar Jackson. Uh, we did you did hit, touch on that earlier. Yeah. Um, but one person did ask, you know, how soon do you think Lamar Jackson gets put in? Could it? Is it this year if Joe goes bad? Is it next year? You know, I think you and I both agree it's 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 going to depend on Joe. Yeah, I don't I don't see Lamar Jackson starting on this roster at all this season. No, I really think. We're going to see a motivated Joe. We're going to see one of the best years that we've that we've ever seen out of Joe because he's got Lamar pushing behind him. We will see some Lamar Jackson packages, and that's one thing I didn't mention. We did see that in practice. There were a few, few plays with Joe and Lamar both out on the field. Lamar kind of lined up in the slot, then, you know, called into formation and did some, like, triple option type stuff. So there are some trick plays, and, and you might see, like I said, in closer games where we need that one big play, that type of thing, you might see two or three plays a game with Lamar Jackson, you know, in the huddle uh, or on the field. But as far as the everyday starter, he's still at least, in my opinion, a year away, um, possibly even two. 
think kind of Aaron Rodgers and and Brett Favre. I'm not comparing Joe Flacco to Brett Favre in any kind of way, but I think personally that Lamar, that type of situation. If we want the best out of Lamar, Lamar should get that time to develop. He's got a long ways to go. I know people are getting excited because Marty Morningwig went on, you know, went on his press conference and said he's way ahead of the curve. Baby steps, baby steps with this guy. We're all excited to see him. I know we all want to see him play. I know we're kind of bored with Joe Flacco and that kind of thing. But I'm telling you, I really think fans are going to be impressed with what they see from Flacco this year. Some fans out there are going to be bored with Joe Flacco even if he wins another Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it's it's what you get. Uh, but that's because of Joe's, you know, to your point, Joe's demeanor. And right. we talked about that before. Joe's just more laid back. And I think you're going to see, you know, Jackson's more animated and, you know, potentially vocal and – it's going to come. I think it comes down to Joe. What's Joe do? And I think it, your first three games are what determines Joe's season. If Joe comes out, you know, it's training camp. You're saying he's looking crisp. He's looking cleaner than he did last year. That's great. But it comes down to game time. First three games, if he's not out there performing, I think you have you have somebody come in. Is it Lamar or is it RG3? Well, that depends if, you know, you have to trade RG3 or, you know, if you keep him, if you're bringing him on. depends on a lot of different things. But I think it it's it's got to be something where you have to sit and wait back for what Joe does. You can't leave Joe in all year if he's do, if he's flailing. Right. If Joe fails two out of the first three games, your fan your fan base is going to stop start dropping off, oh, especially if you don't do anything. Game there's four. there's nothing stopping the fans from from clamoring for for Lamar Jackson week one. I don't care. Oh, Joe yeah. Flacco goes out there and throws four touchdowns and four hundred yards. People are still going to be clamoring for for Lamar Jackson just because of what he brings and the excitement that he brings. But pump the brakes a little bit on Lamar. He's he's ours. He's not going anywhere. Right. Just let him learn. Let him develop. He's got some things he's got to work on, and I think we'll, that'll pay dividends in the future. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, just to, you kind of hit on some injuries. We saw that there was a – Hurst had a soft tissue uh, issue – yeah, he ended up returning to practice today. Uh, they, they, he was kind of limited in practice. They let him go out there for a little while. They pulled him off the field with like 45 minutes left to go in practice. But that was you – know, some people thought, oh, no, he re-injured it. it, it no, that was planned that way. Um, these are just some nicks and bruises. I, uh, Harbaugh used the word calluses the other day in his post-conference you know, post game or post conference, uh, after practice, and that's a good word for it. Like these guys – they're they're getting back out. They're getting into football shape. They've you know they got to toughen up a little bit. And, and the NFL is a lot more demanding practice wise than college football. Yeah. So there's some things that these guys, the rookies, you know, are, are going through bumps and bruises wise. Um, but I, I've heard I've heard statements in the past that su- such statements, and I I don't know I don't know that you you even know I've heard that two a days are nothing compared to an, an NFL practice. Right. No, that's that's absolutely true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Like I said, they're just small injuries, nothing to really worry about. Um, I'm excited for the, the tight end crew. I think that uh, Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews are going to bring another dimension to this offense. Uh, and I think, if anything, they're going to be pushing Max Williams and, and Nick Boyle week one for playing time. You know, some people think that, uh, you know that they, they deserve to be thrown right into the mix, and it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna depend on how they do in the preseason. 
You know, if these guys can come in here and show that they can build a rapport with Flacco in the preseason, we may see the rookies lined up week one. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> we had a comment on Facebook. Joe commented and said, RG3 still looking for his knee. He should ask Nada for it back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell it. you what, that knee did not look like it was bothering him the other day. I'm telling you, he was he was moving around good. Uh, definitely, like I said earlier, the healthiest that RG3's been in a, in a very long time. Yeah. That's right. If you build it, they will come. Yeah, they better, they better start building. <laughs> they started building last week. When we went off the air, there was a lot of rumors for the Orioles that they were going to trade Machado to the Dodgers, and it finally came to fruition the next morning. Yeah. Uh, Manny Machado is traded to the Dodgers uh, for a five-package or five-prospect five package. Um. You know, there was a, there's a lot of back and forth on this. I think they got less than what they should have. There's really? people are yes, and, and I'll kind of run run through this really quickly. I want to want to talk about these prospects for a minute. The big name that everybody talks about is now the Diaz. He's a top hundred prospect. He's actually in the top fifty. Mm-hmm. Good player. He's six one, 195 pounds out of Havana, Cuba. So far in Tulsa Double A this year, he's had 220 at bats. He's hitting 314, 420 OBP, 905 OPS. That's through 59 games. He's got 10 doubles, four triples, six homers, 41 walks, eight stolen bases. Kid's got speed. He's a contact hitter, which everybody has always said, you know, he's a contact hitter. I thought it was great in a futures game. Kid hits two home runs. In the futures game, he's got power potential. No, he he, he absolutely does. does, and that kind of showed it. So he, I think we got a, we got a good haul with him. He's he's a top hundred prospect. He does well. Where it starts to go down, in my opinion, is some of the additional guys that we got. So we got a right handed pitcher, Dean Kramer, 6'3", 180 pounds out of Stockton, California. He was the fourteenth round pick in twenty sixteen by the Dodgers. Right. He started one game in Tulsa Double-A this year and 16 games in single-A. So, mind you, this kid's been with him for over two years, and he was still in single-A. Overall, this year, he's 7-3 with 2.93 ERA. Okay. He's got one complete game. He's got a 1-5 whip. And he's sitting on 32 walks and seven home runs. 32 walks is a lot. Yeah. I agree. Two nine three. Okay, okay. Sub three. I'll take it. I'll take it. But that's in double A. So far, you know, it, there's. I'm sorry. Scratch that. That's mostly in single A. He's starting in double A. He's yeah. only had one game in double A. So we've got to see where this takes him. That's a huge question mark to me because yeah. go, you watch these guys, these pitchers especially, go from single A to double A. That that makes or breaks a guy. Right. So to know that we got a single A guy, I'm not happy about it. Zach Pop, right-handed pitcher, 6'4", 220 out of Ontario, Canada. He was their seventh-round pick in 2017. He's pitched 30 games in single A for 43 in the third innings, seven saves. He has a 0-3 record, a 1.66 ERA, and a .97 whip. Again, a single A pitcher. Yeah, but everything about that was good other than the 0-3. 
everything statistically. Oh, no, and, and he's – you can clearly show with the seven saves that they're using him on the latter half. But, again, this is a single-A pitcher. Yeah. There's still a lot of question marks around single-A pitchers. 2017 draft pick. Yeah, so he's still young. He, he's, he's still, still young. I, I, give him a, I give him a little bit more of a pass. Ryan Bannon, he's third baseman, 5'10", 180, eighth-round pick by the, by the Dodgers in 2017. He's batting 298 with a 404 OBP, 972 OPS in 91 games and 342 at-bats. He's got 17 doubles, three triples, 21 home runs, six walks, 103 Ks. This is a guy, this is where I think they did get a good haul from. Think Dan Ugla. Yeah. Very short in stature, stocky guy, good pop. I mean, 21 home runs. At, you and know. a good eye at 60 walks. Yeah, exactly. 60 walks is big. 103 Ks, but 60 walks. Right. I'll take it. Uh, the last guy was Bravik Valera. This is the guy I was not happy that was involved in this trade. I think he was just a throw in. He was a. Th- I'd rather you give me your worst MLB player. Mm. Salary wise, no, not this year. I just, I, 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 I disagree with that just because we're not going anywhere this year. You know, we're not going anywhere probably for the next two to three years as we go through this rebuild process. Why take on a Logan Forsyth or why take on any kind of salary uh, when this team already has a ton of salary that they're that they have no way of getting rid of? Yeah, you're trying to dump it. Right. Uh, but so Brevik, he's batting 284 with a 350 OBP, 783 OPS, and 200, 201 at bats through 56 games. This kid made his MLB debut in September. September 5th, 2017, for the Cardinals. He had 10 at-bats through five games. He batted 100. Yeah, 10 at-bats, small sample size. One hit, one walk. Right. For the Dodgers this year, 29 games. I'm sorry, 20 games, 29 at-bats. Batting 172 Yeah, with five hits. Yeah, like I said, I think he was probably just the throw-in piece. If the Orioles said we want five prospects, that was the fifth guy that they just kind of threw in. I really don't think that that's, that one there is going to turn out to be anything. I think they did pretty darn good with this haul, in my opinion, and I'll, and I'll preference why. So we've talked about this many a times over. Manny Machado is a rental. At the end of this year, there's no guarantees that he's going to re-sign with the Dodgers. So this is an all-in move for the Dodgers to try to win a World Series this year. To get a top 100 prospect for a two, two-and-a-half-month rental just by itself, just Diaz by itself, is a pretty darn good move for the Orioles. Getting some of these other prospects, the two pitchers, I like some of what I've seen so far statistic-wise from those two pitchers. I think um, Pop, I think he's got a little deception in his delivery, the little bit that I've seen from him. Uh, He seems to get a lot of people to swing and miss. Uh, Some control issues there that he needs to work on, but that's, again, part of just development. He's still early on you know, in his minor league process. Um, But the kid Bannon... You mentioned him. I think that that was kind of the steel piece of the entire thing that I think you may see three potential major leaguers out of this deal, one of which could be a perennial all-star in Diaz. And I think Bannon may even have all-star potential to him. Not Maybe not perennial all-star, but I think that he may have all-star potential in him down the road. 
Yeah, no, I, I think there there is potential. I guess when I look at this, when I look at this trade, I don't see Diaz. Diaz was a double A guy when we got him. He hasn't even been playing in AAA. Hold on a second. Joe Joe mentioned Dan Ugla, 125 batting average. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm talking Dan Ugla. <laughs> Size-wise. Yeah, size-wise, pop-wise, not average-wise. He's just He was a smaller stature guy but had a decent amount of pop. And actually, he played pretty good in his years when he was in Florida. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> um, but no, I, I guess for me, I would, I would have expected to have a guy that was major league ready. For a Manny Machado. That could be the guy that gets you. You just went down a shortstop, a third baseman, and an outfielder. Yeah. For the Dodgers, we gave you the best shortstop ish in baseball. Definitely the best third baseman. Guess where he got moved to? Yeah, it was injury stuff with Justin Turner. Doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I know. They said you're you're more important at third base than shortstop. And that's he, what he, they said. He, he accepted that. He, he obliged. But that, I guess that's my that's my point is he went to a team that you know has the ability to that this could get them over the edge to to win that world series to get them to get them to the ring that they've been looking for so i think it's a game that you have to play and you have to say i i need i need some guys that are ready or closer to ready right we didn't get any guy that was in their farm system that was a triple a baller now but you know what we've seen guys make the jump from double a to the majors uh, especially from the Orioles organization. Diaz is only 21 years old, and he's not far away. Right. I no. wouldn't be surprised if we saw him as a September call-up later in this year just to kind of you know kind of get his feet wet at the major league level to see how he does and kind of Buck can do his evaluation process you know a little bit early with him. Uh, he's not far away at all. No. The other prospects, yes. Other prospects still a year or two away. But uh, I don't think he's far away, but I'm also I I, again, I thought that there was the potential to grab a guy that was more major league ready, that was plug and play type ready. Right. You know, maybe a guy that you you want to bring up as a Dodger, you know, as a Dodger, but you just can't right now because those positions are all filled. Right. Um, You know, yeah, you lose it. But at the same time, you're you're gaining the guy that's going to put you over the hump. Um, you know, speaking of other trade rumors, there's been a lot of rumors floating around. We just talked about the rumor with Zach Britton uh, yeah. coming coming out that the Orioles and the Yankees are coming to a potential agreement involving Zach Britton. God, I don't want to have to face that. And you know what? Him. I'm okay with it, though. Like I said, if you're a realist, you know oh. we're two or three years away from competing anyway. And if no. you're going to get your best package from the Yankees you make that deal oh no no I'm not saying that what I'm saying is I don't have to face their (laughs) bullpen their bullpen's gonna look sick now yeah their bullpen's gonna be ridiculous um but yeah I mean like I said I before we started the podcast nothing had been official yet the Yankees even the Dodgers were still in the mix you know because their their farm system's really not depleted they still have a pretty deep farm system um you know we not as good as I would like it to be no, we had heard some things about the Astros as well being front front runners for Britain, and the Astros are loaded at the minor league system. So I was kind of hoping that the Yankees and the Astros would get into a bidding war because if they're going against each other, that's a lot of really good prospect potential. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see what the Yankees are sending our way. I, I am too, but you know who I wanted to see him go to? I wanted to see him go to the Braves. Quick rundown. The Braves had just, just had their closer, Vizcaino, go on the DL. The Braves have six 
Let me repeat that. Six of the top, not 100, but of the top 50 prospects yeah. in baseball, according to MLB.com. That's pretty good. Yeah. Those include Mike Soroka, mm-hmm. who's a starting pitcher. Yep. Third baseman, Austin Riley. Soroka's number 14 on that list. Riley's 49. Kyle Wright at 25. Go look at a picture of Kyle Wright. He looks like Zach Greinke. I mean, douchebag Zach Greinke looks like a douchebag to me. <laughs> not, not like not douchebag Zach Greinke. Like Zach Greinke of old, where he looked young and innocent, and he, you know, he had the smile as he was pitching. Did you ever see that? Did you ever see him get called out for that? Yeah. Where he always yeah. get, used to get called out for smiling as he, he was that, doing like, it. Surfer looked on. <laughs> Did you see James' comment? No, James just asked, are you doing security night? I am. We're getting so popular, James, that I've got to beat them away with a stick now. So sun's out, gun's out for me. <laughs> anyway, they they have the best out of everybody. Dodgers have nobody anymore on the top 100 prospect list. The Astros have two. They have an outfielder in the top 50. They have two, they have outfielder Kyle Tucker and uh, right-handed pitcher Forrest Whitley, both of which who I've heard are are really great because both of them are in the top 10. You know, both of them are cracking the top 10. So that's another another spot. The Phillies have uh, uh, Sixto Sanchez. Going to um, interrupt you real quick. So Christy, Christy just uh, messaged us and said that there's three prospects uh, – is the word right now coming back from the Yankees. They shouldn't name which those three were, but three. So that's hopefully a pretty good haul for, for Zach Britton. That would be nice. Three I'd like it. I'd take yeah. it. I'd, I'd take, take it. it all day um, long. I mean, it sucks that they've used up all the pros- the good prospects of theirs. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know who said it. I saw it. The messages went too quick. Somebody had asked, uh, are we done with these 4A players? Like the Val- I think that was Joe. I think I saw that. Valencia through. and Gentry type players. I've been, I've been saying the same thing for weeks, really months now. I- I'm tired of seeing these guys. I've been wanting to see the Cedric Mullins of the world get Austin Hayes back and healthy and get him up here. You know, some of these younger guys that just need to go through their bumps and bruises at the major league level and need to learn. This team can't get any worse than it already is. This team can't get any worse. Can it? <laughs> can it? We can have a bunch of Chris Davises. Uh, well. <laughs> you asked. I'm Fool answering. Fool me once. Shame on me. <laughs> well, uh, but the, the other thing that kind of comes out with that, too, is, you know, Duquette has came out this week and said that ownership is given the green light on a rebuild here. Right. You know, and it's it's finally good to hear something. Finally. How long did it Wait take? So here comes three prospect names from Christy. Dylan Tate, Cody Carroll, and Josh Rogers. Uh, so we'll have to uh, take some. I don't know those names off the top of my head. I was hoping you'd throw in a Sheffield in there because Sheffield was the one guy I was really hoping would be in that package. But uh, Tate's apparently headlining that deal. Okay. All right. So we'll have to see about that. Yeah. Well, appreciate the information, Christy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the green light is good to hear. Um, the future could be bright for the Orioles if this works out properly. And if they, you know, you've got, if you're getting three prospects for Britain, awesome. Now you got to get rid of Jones. Yeah, and you know you the just, market for Jones is starting to kind of dwindle down. I think the one team that we might end up seeing him go to that seems for me is kind of the perfect fit for Jones would be Cleveland. I think Cleveland has a need uh, for an outfielder, and 
if you really want to give a guy a chance at making a World Series run, which, like I said before, kind of owe it to the guy in the American League, I think we give that to we give that to to the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, I mean opinion. they they have they have a huge need, not just for an outfielder right now, but an outfielder with a bat. Lonnie Chisenhall is now out ten weeks. Yeah, Bradley Zimmer's been struggling. Brandon Geyer has been non-existent of him, of, of himself of what we're used to. And Rajay Davis, which is a name that everybody probably should know, you know, because he, a few years ago he was he was a top guy. He's not doing well. So they don't have any guys that are outfielders that are solid hitters. You could use an Adam Jones right now because guess what Adam Jones is doing? He's hitting the ball. Right. And yeah. you I I think you have to go after it. And the you know, the Braves coming back to that whole thing that I talked about with Britain They've got six of the top 50 prospects. Right. For Adam Jones, even if it's just for a year, get me one in the top 50. Maybe two, and I'd be happy. For Adam, I don't think you're going to see that kind of return. Adam, I think one. I think you can ask for one in the top 50. I'd be happy if they got a, a top 100 prospect uh, for Adam Jones. I don't think that that's realistic at his age, honestly. Um I don't know. I mean, like I said, the, the the biggest trade piece that Cleveland had uh, was the the catcher um, Mejia or Mejia. Can't think of his. I'm not yeah. real sure his last name, uh, but he was just traded away. Uh, so they don't really have a ton of prospects down there that really excite me. But just again, positioning wise, for a team that really needs someone like Adam Jones, there's not very many teams out there that are clamoring for him. I just think Cleveland would be the right fit. Yeah, I, I think I, I need to at least see one. Like I said, I, if you're if you're going the top 100, if these guys are 50 to 100, I think you got to ask for at least two. That's fair. If I mean, not three. Yeah. If they if I really think if they're in the top 100, if they're 50 to 100, you got to ask for three for Adam Jones because he's hot right now, and you have a need. They have a need. What other team is willing to give away a hot hitting? outfielder right now that's not a team that's contending yeah captain america we saw him in the uh world uh was a world baseball classic yeah. a couple years ago robbing his own teammate when you get a a motivated adam jones and you get somebody i think you put him in a change of scenery you put him back in a playoff race i think you could see a, a really good second half from adam jones so i think wherever he goes he could be an exciting player for a team yeah i mean he's he's gonna be huge for them it's it, wherever he goes, but I think he, I think you have to do it. Joe says trade Trumbo. I'd love to, but I don't think anybody wants. Him. I, I don't know. Tr- Trumbo's had a decent year since he's come back from injury. There might be a team that comes calling. You're not going to get anything for him, no. but at this point for Trumbo, just to dump the salary, I'll take a bag of balls just to get rid of him. Um, not that you know I have anything against Trumbo, but kind of going into our next topic. Uh, I think the biggest news really right now for me with the Orioles was the Dan Duquette press conference. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the, the takeaways from that press conference to me are more important to this team's future and this team's growth than the deal and what we got back for the Manny Machado trade for ownership and for management to come out and say that they gave the green light on a rebuild. A rebuild. They use that word. That's not me. Yeah, a no, that, was Dan, that was Dan's word in that press conference. And that's coming from upper management. That's huge. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. You can't you can't overlook that fact because we've been clamoring for it. Right. We've been saying 
ownership needs to step out. Now, I wasn't happy that it was Dan. I would have much rather preferred that it was one of the sons that came out and, and said something. But at the same time, it scares me that they let Dan come out and say it. Meaning that you think that he's part of the plan for the future and yes. that scares you? Yeah, I agree. I, you know, kind of... It was kind of a head scratcher for me because you can look at it one or two ways. You can either look at that as that's basically them saying, okay, we're taking the handcuffs off of Dan Duquette because let's be honest, Dan Duquette's been handcuffed a bit by ownership in what he can and can't do. By Brady. <laughs> well, Brady, upper management, whoever you want to say it is, he's been handcuffed. So that to me was either them saying, all right, we're taking the handcuffs off and we're going to let him do what he wants to do or – you could look at it the other way and just say Dan was a puppet up there just kind of relaying the message for the future of the team. But I think knowing the Angelos and knowing the son, I think he would have come out personally himself yeah, and said something if, if Dan wasn't part of the future. And look, I know I've been hard on Dan Duquette. You've been hard on Dan Duquette. Every Orioles fan out there has really been hard on Dan Duquette, and rightfully so. I mean, the, the crap that went don't, went on with the Toronto Blue Jays thing, it was awful. He'll never leave that live that down, and I'll never let him live that down. I, I just think not to mention true baseball fans know that all the moves that made put the Orioles in the position that they were right. didn't come from Dan Duquette. They came from Andy McPhail. Exactly. But here's the thing, and this is what I mean by handcuffs, right? So the international draft picks. That wasn't Dan Duquette's decision. That was above his pay grade. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna allow that now. They're going to start spending money on international scouting. The lack of funds and allotment to, to scouts in general has been something that Duquette was handcuffed with. And they're going to spend more. That These are all things that came from that press conference that, to me, are much, much better bigger and much more important to this team's future and this team's growth. You know, you've got exciting, exciting players out there in in the international market, and we haven't even been a player in that market for years, for years. This trade, we get one of the biggest prospects from Cuba in Diaz back. Um, You know, so if that's real, if everything that came from that press conference, everything that was said is true, in that press conference, I'm excited for the next couple years to see how that 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 trends out. Yeah, it's you got to see how it trends out. But I, like I said, the biggest thing that scares me is that it's is that this is Dan's in for next year. You know, maybe it's a one year extension. Maybe it's maybe it's a long term deal. I don't know, but I don't. I, I have an uneasy feeling with that with that side of things. I don't think. As much as I was, I was clamoring for him to go and we need to clean house, I still kind of feel that way, but I won't be as upset now if Dan Duquette is retained only because they're allowing him a little bit more freedom to do those things. Now, we give him a short leash, a year or two to make some changes and to, and to get the ship righted in the right direction using the money to to spend on scouts, using the money and the draft picks for right. international draft picks and things of that nature. And if we don't see an improvement, well, yeah, then we need to see a change. Yeah, no, you have to you have to see a change. But I, in my opinion, you have to see a change by the end of the year. 
If you don't see a change by the end of the year, if you don't see his movement, if you don't see changes in scouting, if, if you don't see the, the full up and down start of the rebuild this year and Dan's not pulling the trigger on things that he should be pulling the trigger on, yeah, I, I think that tells a story. If he does, I'll give Dan all the credit in the world. I just don't. Dan has a track record of not pulling the trigger when he should. Right. No, that's very true. That's so very true. These trades, I like the Manny move so far. You know, I like at least I don't while I don't I'm not a big fan of all the prospects in the full return. I do like that we we finally made that move. Yeah. It was needed to happen. I like the Britain move now. You know, I think the next step is Adam. You des- you owe it to Adam, but you also owe it to your organization for what you can potentially get back through I Adam. I agree. Um and I think overall it's it's something that Dan's got to prove himself, and he's got to prove it real damn quick. Look, I'm excited. A silver lining in what has been an awful season and an awful year for the Orioles and the Orioles organization. We're finally seeing the moves that need to happen. As much as it hurts, as much as it hurt me to see Manny finally go and to see him suit up in another uniform. He's one of my favorite players. And, yeah, it sucked. But ultimately, it's for the best for this franchise. We knew we weren't going to be keeping him. We knew we weren't going to be signing him. So get the most that you can get for him. I think they waited too long, but they ended up getting some pretty good prospects considering. Uh, and then, like I said, as far as what we might might be getting back in this Britain trade and what we might be getting back in some of these other trades, I'm starting to see some positive and like I said, what was yeah. a very, very rough season. Yeah, no, absolutely. Speaking of other sil- silver linings uh, in here in Baltimore, the Baltimore Brigade are hosting the Arena Bowl this year. They beat the Washington Valor. Or I'm sorry, they I'm sorry, they beat the uh, the Empire Soul. Jesus. I'm so I'm like all over the <laughs> Come on now. They beat the Soul. 53-41 to 41 at home in Game 2 this past week to advance to the, the finals. Uh, they are playing the Washington Valor. Yes, that's the same Washington Valor that we talked about before that had the worst record in the league. Mind you, the league is only four teams. Uh, the Valor actually came out. They had a one-point... The Empire had a one-point lead uh, against the Valor, and the Valor wound up beating them 40-7 to 7 to 40. It's just that aggregate score thing. Right. You know, they split games, but the one team, because they beat them by seven points instead... And the Empire only beat them by one point in the previous game. Right, they get the they get it. Uh, So it's crazy. Saturdays is the is the actual Arena Bowl. Uh, It's Saturday, July twenty eighth, seven p.m. Royal Farms Arena. I actually looked it up. The tickets range anywhere from fourteen to forty five dollars. Get down there if you want to see some fun football. Go down to the Brigade, watch it. It's a championship game. Let's let's get down there. We can go down there as a group. You guys want to send a text? I'll go down there with you guys. Whatever you want to do. Going to the O's game, but O's game. (laughs) Ugh. Who wants to watch that? Let's go watch some winning football. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's exciting. Uh, Brigade in the championship, and they're hosting uh, their very first championship game Saturday. So, yeah. very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And now it's time for two minutes warning all right fred you know what time it is it's time for the two minute warning sir it's your turn this week and your time starts now all right 
Francisco Molinari won the 147th Open at the Carnoussi uh, with an eight under par. Tiger actually led in the major on Sunday, first time in nine years that he's led a major, but then abruptly lost it with a bad swing, ended up finishing tied for sixth at five under. It's his best finish in a while. Kevin Love signed a four-year, $120 million extension with the Cavaliers. He's going to earn $24.1 million next season prior to the extension kicking in. Sounds like he should be sending some flowers and some cookies to uh, to LeBron and the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. Julio Jones claiming he's going to hold out of Falcons camp when it starts on Thursday and is insisting that his contract be worked, uh, reworked. Falcons have said they're not going to rework it. Uh, if Jones follows through, he could be fined up to $40,000 for each day missed. Jeez. It's huge. Breaking news. Todd Gurley and the Rams have reached an agreement on a four-year, $60 million extension with $45 million guaranteed. Yes, you hear that right. $45 million guaranteed. But wait, there's more. Adam Schefter was reportedly told by his source that Gurley will also receive a $20 million signing bonus. It's the largest per year average for any running back. Can only imagine what Zeke Elliott, David Johnson, and one uh, Le'Veon Bell might be thinking these days. Patriots are rumored to be shopping third-year wide receiver Malcolm Mitchell, who's coming off knee injury that had him out all of last year. He had five catches for 63 yards in the second half of Super Bowl 41. Uh, So it might be an interesting prospect out there, wide receiver, for people to keep an eye out on. Des Bryant, he came out and stated that he just wanted to be with a contender next season. At this point, your options are pretty limited. <laughs> Anthony Rizzo made his pitching debut last night with two pitches. Uh, he is the first left-handed throwing player to ever play first base, second base, and third base, and also pitched during his career since George Sisler, who's last played in 1930. Yeah, did you see those pitches, by the way? I did. They it was actually two, they, pops. They had two fielders come out and pitch. Oh, really? Yeah, the other guy was throwing that. like 50-something. Oh, <laughs> it was, it was crazy. At least, at least when Davis comes in, he's throwing heat. Speaking of Davis, James <laughs> chimes in and, chase, and says, Orioles traded Davis for two boxes of balls to the Yankees. Oh, I'd be happy. <laughs> two boxes of balls? Oh, my God. That would be a steal of a deal. <laughs> it's more than Davis has right now. Yeah, right? Uh, man, so that's a good show. Yeah. Well, um, one, I have to bring up the one that, that you didn't get to, the last one that we didn't get to on the two-minute warning. Yeah, hey, go for it. Dwayne Wade was offered three years and $25 million to play in China next year. That's wild. The Heat can't even – the Heater at 5.3 is the max that they can give him due to the salary cap, which is crazy just to think that – Who's on? The, who the hell's on that team that you right. can that you can only spend five point three million dollars? Like I don't know anybody else on the team. Like right. anybody, thirty six uh, years <laughs> old. I, I'd be tempted if I was Dwayne Wade, but he's also he's made a lot of money in his NBA career. It's just a comfort thing. Miami's his home. He may just who knows. He may call it a career. Yeah, he, I don't know, Fred. You're thirty six. You call it a career? <laughs> hey, look, thirty six years old. <laughs> you don't want me out at an NBA basketball court. My fa- mm, yeah, that's another story. <laughs> We're not going to get into that. No, I was saying, I was asking if you were going to call it quits and retire. You're getting old. Yeah. <laughs> I had a long way to go before I could start collecting retirement, unfortunately. <laughs> you and me both, brother. All uh, right, man. Well, well, yeah. So, for those that are tuned in that are a uh, part of the Birdland BS Fantasy Football League that we've been talking about, uh, when we go off the air, stay tuned. We are going to be doing the live draft order uh, in just a few minutes. So, as always, check us out. On all the websites, 
everything from good well, all of our social media sites yeah. twitter facebook instagram youtube subscribe to all those like comment share you know we want to hear from you this is for you uh so we want to hear what you got to say check us out on on uh our website on www.birdlandbs.com check out all the gear that's there you can go get yourself a shirt your under armor shirt you can get a hat you can get you know kind of anything you want especially hoodies you yeah. know we're, we're getting everything out there um you can find the audio podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, the TuneIn app, and Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe to all those. Uh, take a listen. You can leave in some of those. You can also comment as well. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. As always, for Birdland BS, I'm Scott. I'm Fred. See you guys. We'll see you guys.